0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game. Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Well, here's my quote for today that is a little unusual because it's about my guest. There are many prophets who bang the drum loudly. Arthur Rainville has quietly set an illustrious stage with his work and his teachings for half a century. He wields his lens with the soul of a great portrait painter. It's been said he deserves the bravissimo afforded a maestro. And I forget who said that, but I wholeheartedly agree. Might have been me. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was you, Arthur. (laughs) Hi, and welcome again to a very special episode of The Profitable Photographer. My guest is one of my favorite humans, and I know you're going to be so touched and inspired by what he has to share. But I'm warning you, you might fall in love because Arthur's kind of lovable. (laughs) And he was on an episode maybe a year or two ago. So if you need more, you can always search back for Arthur on this show. Also, you can spend a whole day with Arthur in California, November 8th or 10th of 2022, and stay to the end of the show and you'll get more details. And I will be at the Southern California ones if, what is it, God willing in the creek? Don't rise. So welcome, Arthur. Thank you for Saying yes to being on the show again. I always look forward to this. I would never say no to you. That's I funny. love that. So I met Arthur at a time when I was lacking vision and motivation in my career. The world was changing to digital, and I was that last person that wasn't going to give up their film. I wanted to do my cave paintings in goat blood. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to change, and. Taking a class with Arthur for a week totally shifted me back. So I'm just excited. I guess you can tell I'm kind of gushy <laughs> and we can do the whole show on just introducing you, Arthur. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Arthur is a master craftsman photographer. He has been creating stunning, beautiful romantic images for over 50 years He has had displays in museums in three continents. He's taught portraiture professionally for those 50 years. He has received the Helen Yancey Lifetime Achievement Accolade. And yeah, that's about it. (laughs) All right, Arthur. Hello. 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 How are you?
1: I'm exactly the same, but much more mature than (laughs) that.
0: I don't think of you as ever... Oh, yeah, I guess you don't get old. No, you well, your brain,
1: your brain slows
0: down, but your body says, I've had enough. Yeah. But not yet, right? Not yet.
1: No. Uh,
0: yeah. So I have a, a question for you. Um, I'm imagining you can understand what I'm talking about. A lot of my colleagues who've been in this business a long time, like you and I, talk like the sky is falling. Digital's ruined everything. You can't charge well for anything. No one wants real portraits anymore. Um, people won't spend money. People are giving away the files, so no one can make a living in this industry. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that probably that that thought process has been around since day one. Uh huh. Just with a new face. Um, Yeah, I lived through all of that changeover from film to digital. But I heard it early on in a different version. So I grew up in this business because my father was a small town portrait photographer. Oh. And so I just rolled on into it because I didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I almost had a different career. I probably should add the initials AAP after my name. Almost a priest. Whoa. I should do that it seems like you know but before I follow that path I had my little chit chat with God and God says okay would be welcome to have you but there's a disclaimer I have to do and that is besides all of this I did invent girls (laughs) so as as soon as I understood there was an option I gave up the whole precinct (laughs) so anyway I became a photographer and um Back in those days, he was still shooting 8 by 10 black and white sheet film in the studio. Uh, and I know there may be some people listening, they're not sure what that is, but that's yeah. all right. Uh, but let's just say it's black and white film. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm the young hotshot, and I say, well, I ain't doing that. Uh, we're going to go to color. Role mm-hmm. film." And, and everybody says, no, people aren't going to pay any money for color. It doesn't look professional. You know, so the story just changes chapters, but it's the same story. Yeah. The bottom line is still the same answer with a different face.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is that?
1: So we just have to make the pictures that they can. It, it's that simple. Slash, no period there, comma, and then let them know it. And that's the tricky part this day and age. So nowadays, everybody makes cell phone pictures, and it's getting better all the time. The first Fuji camera you and I had was two megapixels. And now the new iPhone is 48 megapixels. Right. Portrait mode is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So it isn't that they can't make good pictures now and in the old days they couldn't make good pictures so they had to come to a professional now they can make good pictures so what's the difference what can we offer them that they can't do for themselves
0: right right that is
1: is taking it all to a higher level which is in essence what my all-day workshops are going to be out there and there's multiple aspects of that and it's based on the concept of Leonardo da Vinci being the renaissance guy. And he, of course, there was many others before and after him, but he was the one who had the good PR person and became the renaissance guy.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a
1: technical, there's the aesthetic. The technical aesthetic, and then there's another level. And that's the level that I think is the important level. Okay. Because their phones are making them technically pretty good. They have some pretty fancy apps to make them aesthetically pretty good. Mm-hmm. What can we separate them? What can we do that they can't do? Mm -hmm. And it's off the concept of snapshot, right? Why do people love their own snapshots of family and friends and good times and everything else? Because they trigger a specific memory. Mm -hmm. That's the value of the snapshot, not how it looks. It's the memory it creates. So if we can get better at that aspect of it, And then let them know that we are. So we have to be able to be good at translators and let them know that. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote by the futurist John Nesbitt that I always use The more high tech we become, the more high touch we desire. Ah. People want this. They may not know it, but they intrinsically know it. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the why. That's the bottom reason why we are all portraitists, and and I've often talked about the difference between a photographer and a portraitist. A photographer records, a portraitist reveals. The, The portraitist needs to reveal something about the personality, something about the memory, whatever that is, and there's lots of ways to learn to do that, but the number one way is for you to understand the importance of that and empathize enough with the other person that they get that you care. Mm. You will have a customer for life. I mean, I just went to a garage with the car because I was getting this grinding sound. And he said, wait a minute, roll it in, lifted it up, looked, found it, fixed it within five minutes with one screw, came out. And I said, fine, that's great. What do I owe you? He said, you would never owe me anything for something. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to go anywhere but there. Right. The more that we can connect with people, the better the photograph will be, the more meaningful it will be, and the better we can make our life. It's not about the size, it's not about any of that stuff that's going to make the big bucks. It's going to be about them cherishing it. Mm. That's where the value is. Think of all the horrendous, terrible things we've seen over the last year of war and and hurricanes, and everything else, and it's always those images of people clutching their pictures.
0: Right, right. They get this. Right. We just have to embrace it. Yes. Uh, we, in San Diego, if people have paid any attention, you know that we get fires. You don't have floods, yeah. uh, rarely have an earthquake. It's not like <laughs> people think about, and people have told me when there was an evacuation order where they pretty much like at one point there was half a million people that evacuated and they were people in my ideal client base. And I heard from so many of my clients that said, the first thing we loaded in the car after we got the kids and the pets was your portraits, because we did not want to lose those. And, um, you know that makes me feel so good about how i've spent my career and one of the reasons and i'm sure like you one of the reasons i like to teach and coach other people is because i can't photograph everybody in the world and save their family memories so to help people have thriving businesses doing what what they love is also so satisfying so we wanted to talk a little about your why and I know you have some thoughts on that. Can you? Oh,
1: it, it's got to. I mean, after fifty years of this, it, it got to the point of being retrospective, at least of my thoughts on it all. And I think I started out, like I said, I set out with my father, and I was the young hotshot. So I learned fancy lighting, and I learned fancy posing. And he was still doing flat, boring, old lighting, and he had never learned anything. He just started on his own, and and so I was making these really technically nice and aesthetically exciting pictures and things. And people liked my portraits, but they loved his pictures. And I kept saying, oh, for God's sake, why are you so cool? Why <laughs> do you love his pictures? And I would be upset that he was just like a dummy, he didn't want to learn anything new and exciting. <laughs> and then I lived in a town full of dummies that didn't appreciate my stuff. <laughs> and it was many years later before I figured it out that they, all those customers that I thought were dummies because they didn't appreciate my pictures, had not gone and learned lighting and posing and all of that stuff. My <laughs> father didn't want to. What he had was that amazing, caring connection with every person who sat in front of me. He had that great gift of gab, and he asked them questions like meaningful things to them. Mm-hmm. In the process of that, he got beautiful, genuine expressions, mm-hmm. and that's what they liked. They didn't care if it was fancy, this, that, or anything else. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like wearing a medal. I'm the dummy. <laughs> it took a long time to figure that one out. Yeah, And that's what I've worked at now for so many years. So, yes, you do want to get better at lighting posing everything else. You want to be able to tell people why you're fancy lighting and posing and everything is cool. It's not as big a deal today as the emotional branding.
0: Tell me what you mean by emotional branding. So, Lucy, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned it
1: to me last time we were chit-chatting about how you ended up where you are this minute. And a piece of that story, of course, was your fact that your father was having to come up with a sermon every week. <laughs> yeah. And here you are having to come up with a me every week or something yeah. like this yeah. and, a, and a message. And you, no one would have ever been able to tell you that's what was going to happen with your life. No. <laughs> you had to feel your way into that moment. mm mm-hmm. What was the big reveal? Was there one moment that you realized that you were doing the same kind of thing? Was there an awakening?
0: Well, so when I was a wedding photographer, uh, I was headed to a wedding one Saturday and realized I was working in churches on the weekend like my dad. And that, you know, made me laugh a little bit and realize. Oh, I also get my afternoon naps like him, and the pastor, for the most part, is self-employed. So, thought that was interesting. And then when I started coaching, I had an aha, as I had my calendar full of people that I was going to be sitting and trying to make their life better. Realized, oh, my dad did a lot of counseling, coaching, and then it it just I think I was having anxiety because I didn't have an idea, I didn't have someone to interview for my podcast, you know, and it just it's like the train it just keeps rolling. there's another Wednesday that comes around, and so that was the aha you know that like anxiety and the desire, especially when I'm doing my solo episodes, to share something meaningful, important. Um, so it was just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm still, you know, still, uh, working the way he did. And also, his goal was not to make a big pile of money. His goal was to be of service. And that's always, yeah, I like big piles of money, but being in service to people doing what my heart's calling tells me to do at the moment is the why. So, yeah, I think we seguated in, seguated, (laughs) it's not a good word. Seguated into the why is... And and if I had a
1: camera on your face while you were just talking about that, there was a different twinkle in your eye. Hmm. That's what we have to get good at, understanding and seeing and capturing I keep saying how we have to translate and let people know this. I'm telling you, when they see the picture, they'll know. They'll know you did exactly what you were supposed to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And the satisfaction of it, I guess you'd say the end result, you know, it goes hand in hand. Right. And at a certain point when I was, I, my brain was telling me it was time to grow my photography business even more but my heart wasn't in it. And I had a coach who asked me like, what else? And I started to cry and said, I've always felt like I should be teaching and coaching. I've always done it for free, but it doesn't feel like uh, financially it's a good move. And I love photography. And she told me, "You know, your heart won't be happy if you don't do that. And so the moral of that story is it's also okay to pivot when something else is calling. Would you agree with that or speak to that a little?
1: And the first step is to give yourself enough time to recognize the pivot. Mm-hmm. You know, we're living in this crazy world where everything is, we're running around more like chickens with our heads cut off, but we're doing it electronically now. There. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I grew up learning things from the Encyclopedia Britannica. And my parents were so thrilled to have an encyclopedia in the house and everything. And now I live every day on Google and researching and studying art, and all the museums you could never go to and all of that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we're living in a very fast-paced world, but we've bought into it. And we're on our phones every minute. I mean, we're never still. And we almost need to give ourselves the gift of still to figure some things out like that. Mm. So I was, you know, and a lot of this came from one day somebody asked me, How did you get to be you? And I had to really stop and think about that. And it was what we talked about that I started out because my father had a studio. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And so that's what I started doing. And for years I went along and and I don't regret a moment of it. I'm thrilled at every picture I ever made for someone. But one day a guy said to me, he said, oh, your mother was that, that kindergarten teacher at the elementary school that I went to. He said, I really didn't want to go to school when I was that little kid. And boy, my parents didn't want me. They did everything they could to get me to like going. And I, he said, and she changed everything. Mm. Your mother made my life possible. Mm. I started thinking about that. And next thing you know, I realized that I enjoyed teaching. I felt more fulfilled even than I did making photographs. Mm-hmm. that was my pivot. Uh, you just have to listen. And if we're too crazy, we don't get to listen. I'm three quarters of the way through writing a new book. Pray God that I finish it. But, and it's called Ten Zen, the Art of Reflective Creating. Ten what? Art, the Ken Zen, the art of reflective creating. Ten Zen? Yeah, and so the the bottom line is reflective part is the important part. The Ken is from the idea of seeing beyond the normal, what you first glance at, Mm. seeing deeper. And the Zen part is feeling deeper, and then ultimately, but between the two, creating something new. See, it's mostly a time thing and slowing down, and you will make better. I don't know if we made better pictures in the old days, but we made deeper pictures. Maybe mm. that's the right word. You mm-hmm. know? A great example of that is uh, when I started, I, my father was doing four by five sheet film weddings. Mm-hmm. And he made, you know, 15 pictures and come home exhausted. Right. So then I said, oh, I'm doing that. And I'm taking color, right? I'm the hot shot. So I switched to color roll film, 120 roll film, mm. 12 pictures on a roll. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was only one lab in the whole country that was going to process that as a professional lab. And that was monkey color in Hylia, Florida. And so uh, they would, you would send them your roll of 12 pictures. They would make 12 8 by 10s mm. And slide them into plastic pages in an album and send it back to you. That was the package you delivered. Twelve pictures. So you went to the bride's house. You went to the bride's house and you did one picture of her and the parents. One picture of her and the bridesmaids. You're out of there. You go to church now. You mm-hmm. have one picture of the bride going down the aisle with the father. One picture of putting a ring on, whoever, whether she or he does it. One picture of the first kiss. And one picture walking out. Now you've shot half your load. Mm -hmm. Six done. Now you go out to the park or wherever you're going to do your formal. You have one whole picture of the wedding party, one whole picture of the bride and both sets of groom, both sets of parents, one beautiful picture of the bride and groom, one beautiful picture of the bride alone. That's nine. Mm -hmm. You've got three pictures for the reception. And I guess the cake. One picture of the first dance
0: and one picture goodbye. Yep. You can't miss. One, Right. Yep. Uh, did you say that coming down the aisle? I thought coming down the aisle was the most important picture you can take when I started. Yeah. And my sister, she was married in, I don't know, 77. And we have a book that's 24 images. And I know it was sheet film. Um, I'm pretty sure. And they were all eight by 10s. And even though she's no longer married to him, that album has been looked at countless times over the decades. But
1: it's slowing down to make those pictures really good and getting really good at making
0: that. Right. And not praying, praying thousands and hope there's good ones in there. Right. Spending half your life at the computer editing or paying somebody to do that. And it takes the importance of it away, too. Right. So One of the reasons I did not want to switch from film is I knew that the digital life was like taking on another part-time job. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I switched. Actually, I was thinking about, though, my film days, and it was getting harder to focus. And I would blame my camera, but <laughs> so digital actually did help me create a lot of images that I enjoyed more, you know, could be a little more free, but oh my gosh, the time spent. Well, that's only because we increased the numbers of pictures we were taking. Right.
1: Because it was cheap now. Yeah. So we were our own worst enemies on that one. Yeah. You know, it, everything that happens in life has two sides of the coin there's the good side and the other side. It's not so great sometimes. Mm. By going to digital, the goodest thing. Mm-hmm. What well, that's what my grandpa says, the goodest thing, Grandpa, is that all of a sudden,
0: remember in the old film days, you look
1: at the back of the camera
0: and there was nothing to look at. I know. <laughs> well, if I was smart, i put the uh, the little tab from the film so I knew what kind of film was it, in the back. <laughs> that's about it. That's, about
1: all you could do, right? that's it.
0: And then you took that and roll of film at the end of the day with the
1: wedding stuff and you sent it off to the lab and you waited a week to 10 days and prayed every day that the pictures would come back and they'd be okay. You lived under that constant low-level stress Mm -hmm. and you saw the results. Now, digital, you know instantly because you look at the back of the camera. Now, the downside is you're paying more attention to that than you are your job, but that's all right. The trick is to manage and try to remember some of the value of what you're letting go. Mm-hmm. And going back to paying more attention to what you're supposed to be doing
0: than looking at the back of the camera. Right. The early—I don't remember who started the word chimping, but yeah. I took a class with somebody, one of the greats, yeah. that was helping us, and they said you're not allowed to chimp, and we're like, "What does that mean?" And he said, "Look at looking at the back and going ooh 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 <laughs> like a chimp." So, no chimping. Uh, no, yeah. yeah his, it'll, once we're not recording anymore, I'll remember who that was. <laughs> yeah. So, anything else about the why? About how somebody can discover that?
1: Well, you, you have to figure out your own why. We both talked about our whys, why teaching is meaningful and where the value is to us and stuff. I used to always use the line as a, you and I, or anyone listening that's a portrait photographer, portraitist. I used to say, You were put on this planet to leave a tender trail.
0: To leave a tender trail?
1: Yeah. Mm. Right? You were put here to capture X amount of images for people. That's why you're here. Mm. Um, I used to always show the picture of my father at at the end of his life. And I was holding, he's in the picture, but I'm holding his hands and stuff. And I realized that that shutter finger pushed his dang camera button a zillion times. Mm. and He made generations of portraits for people all over my town. And they're not fancy, like I said.
0: -hmm. They'll never
1: hang on a museum wall, but they hang on hot walls and they're priceless. Mm -hmm. That's his why. It's our why as a Mm portraitist. So you need to sit down and discover your why. Even if you already know it, you need to reaffirm it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that becomes your purpose. Everything you do is based on that why. Mm -hmm. So I need to get better at my conversational skills maybe is something that you need to do mm-hmm. to keep your eye to make your purpose thing happen we need to analyze ourselves and say where's my strengths where's my weaknesses my strength i love to play on research personally i love looking for new stuff all the time mm-hmm. new art new this that and you get better at something when you do it a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i should be spending more time Learning to write words better the, the writing part of my book is multiple <laughs> editors, so you should work at your your good and your not so good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff you figure out along the way, but all of that becomes bringing your why into focus mm. so you can accomplish that.
0: Mm. Yeah, so one of the things that I found interesting at this point in my life is allowing myself to not always be having to accomplish and do things and research and push myself and grow and make more money. You know, I'm comfortable enough. I'm doing fine. A lot of people just plain retire, but here you are, here I am. Um, so what do I want to know from the great and powerful Arthur Rainville about this phase of life? I'm coming out of retirement I've been
1: not full of, time though right Kind of retired full time for the last i don't know half a dozen years or so uh-huh um, traveling was difficult and and I thought a lot of people just wanted to hear from a young hotshot, not somebody who was just shot um And so for a lot of reasons, I just pulled back and said, maybe my time is done on that, and that's okay. Ooh. (laughs) Then, you know, when Tom Brady came out of retirement, I said, well, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I figured out how he did it. He just didn't tell his wife he was going to do it. Uh Other than that, I said, maybe it's time to do it one more time. If you still have some message in you, Mm. That has not been said. I think you owe it to yourself and whoever's supposed to hear it to do that. Yeah. That's why you keep going too. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, when I think about um that I feel like I'm semi-retired, and then I realize, oh, I'm podcasting and I'm coaching and I'm you know doing all kinds of things. So really, no, I'm not. But I've allowed myself more ease of time to read to I finally got back to the gym after the big COVID shutdown. And it's like dang, I I forgot. I really enjoyed this. I love the feeling of of being stronger and fitter and you know, just more juice flowing. And that possibly what feels like semi retirement for me is a feeling I might have had my whole life if I had slowed down, and that I maybe didn't need to push myself as much and work even smarter. I love the smarter, not harder. Yeah. But, you know, maybe maybe this is what life uh, is like for people, other people their whole life. Do you you have a thought on that?
1: Well, part of it is understanding what's smarter and uh, harder. You know, I mean, I thought I was being smarter when I was learning you know, a fancy new lighting thing or smarter when I learned to edit, you know, differently or whatever. And, it, and you are. And that's what seemed important at the time. And maybe right. it was important at the time. You know, those early days of yeah. digital, it was brutal. I mean, we were trying to get a decent print and it was hell on earth. Mm-hmm. crossover and mores. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we needed to kick it up and learn how to do right. that. But I was still making pictures that, when I started to think about it, were kind of empty. I look back on some of them now, Mm -hmm. and they look very pretty and all that stuff. People bought them, but they—let's just say—they weren't what I could do today. Right. And the only reason today they'd be better is because I would spend more time talking to you than. Moving lights around and everything. Else. Right, right. It's really that
0: simple. Yeah. So, you now how I can say this? Why does it always feel like you, or how do you create this in your life where you're always fresh? You're, it's, I never think of Arthur as like, yeah, I've been there, done that with Arthur, and he's just repeating himself. Um and when I took that class with you, we were doing things like, oh wait, that screen, what's it called? Uh, screen screensaver in front of your projector. Let's put people in front of that and see what we can do. Like you you pushed yourself and us to do things that were like really outside of the box. Like, where does that come from in you?
1: Like well, I said earlier, we we all have things that we're attracted to as a creative I mean let's let's go back and set the stage on this one I've always said and, and you were saying always something new it needs to be new um, there's also lots of my messages that I think are important enough that I've held on to for years, but the idea of new and discovering new has always been a great joy for me and I had to go and do an archaeological ding on myself and figure out where that came from. And I had to go back and give my mother all that credit. My mm. father was busy running the studio. And, uh, but My mother, partially being the teacher and all, I mean, we were National Geographic aficionados. That National Geographic would come in every month, and she and I would sit down, and we'd go through every page. Mm. And not just read the stories and look at the pictures, we think about the stories and the pictures. Mm. What was the person climbing the mountain feeling when he couldn't hold on for one more second? She took it to a deeper level. Mm. It made my brain think deeper than just what the story was on the surface. And I think that intrinsically where it started And like I said, every single day, now for 55 years, I can honestly say without a lie, Mm. that I have spent at least an hour, unfortunately lately, (laughs) more than like six hours, doing research. I just Mm. love the idea of research. And in doing that is where you find your new ideas. Picasso said, good artist copy, great artist steal. I'm not looking Mm. to steal somebody else's idea. But it spins in my head and becomes a workable new idea for me. And so the research is always studying not just the art of another photographer or painter or whatever, but where you really get the pearls is in studying their life. How did Mm. they get through artist block and Mm. all of that stuff? Mm. So I just find. Fun and learning new things and that becomes the next new thing you can share. But it wasn't until I started reading some Zen stuff that I ah. got the next level of realizing there was a deeper level of creating too. I'm creating a connection between myself and whoever it is I'm photographing or talking with or whatever.
0: So are you still photographing?
1: Well, I do photograph my grandkids on my phone an awful lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I spend... Right now, my official title for my little eight-year-old is Grandpa Plastic Horse Veterinarian. Because he's breaking the legs on all the plastic horses and, and he's <laughs> super blue yet, so I have to become... I'm spending an awful lot of time being yeah. veterinarian. Yeah. But, yes... Um, I don't do much portraits. The uh, yeah. last ones I did were the veterans.
0: Yes, that was fabulous.
1: Yeah. A lot of veterans. Um, yeah. But I'm concentrating more on this world now. Yeah. I'd like to get this book done. And it's really not a book for, about
0: photography. Mm-hmm. More of a book on life and, and stuff like that. I love it. Yeah, I was trying to pull up this quote, but I couldn't find it. I was the editor of my yearbook in high school, and I filled it with quotes and poetry. And, you know, it really, if you look at it, it's a really deep reflection of me. Um, and in, I don't know what section, but we did a title page, and it was a picture of a child, and over it, there was this quote that starts out, there's no need for a personality to grow old and I wish I could remember the rest. It's like, the thing is to assess life honestly. Um, Maybe if I find the quote, I'll put it in the show notes, but that stuck in my head. And I feel like you and I have made a decision at some point, not to grow old, even if our bodies change, and someday we're going to be stardust, we'll just say. But I'm sure people are always surprised if they've not seen you, they don't know about you, but they talk to you that you've been around as long as you have. And I always consider it a compliment when people are like, like even when I was 20, they thought I was older. And then when I was 30, they thought I was younger. (laughs) And, you know, it's always been like, oh my gosh, you know, not just looks, but because my goal Is to keep living in the present. You know, we talk about Zen. Yeah. And also be like launching rockets into the future and holding dear my past. And so I think you and I share that.
1: As long as you keep your wheel spinning up here, it's pretty hard to to let go and slow down. Yeah. (laughs) I'm 76. I figure I got 30 more good years ahead of me. Yeah. I got time to pull it together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to celebrate my my 100th birthday with my mom. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but one of my life goals is on my 100th birthday to photograph a baby and to to ride some waves on a boogie board in the ocean. So, well, that I want to try to hang around
1: for I like to see Okay.
0: That. All right. I'll see you then. So, did you
1: ever get to sit and talk with your dad about any aspect of any sermon or anything that way
0: Um, probably
1: wasn't something that you would do at that point. I get
0: it. So sadly, when I really was able to have the conversations I would have liked to have had, my dad got Parkinson's and then a side order of dementia. Um, But I'm sure, like, the heart of his sermons were always about love and service. And I think maybe one of the reasons I love you is, like my dad, when something touches you, you get tears in your eyes. And he, at least half of his sermons, he would tell a story and he would get tears. And, you know, I'd like that as well. But so why do you ask?
1: I guess because I wish I had done the same
0: thing. Yeah.
1: My father ended up with Parkinson's too. Oh. So. Ah. I know what it's all about. Yeah. We get so, and, and we've all done it. I have, did it. Everybody does it. I get it. You, you, you have to work so much to make the dollar bills to live, you know, and take care of people and do all of that stuff. It takes all of your attention, all of your mental focus and everything else. And at the end of the day, you just pull it together and go to bed, pretty much. Um, that's not the good life. <laughs> you need time with you, you know. Yeah. You have to spend some time with yourself. Yeah, that's where the answers are going to come. The answers aren't going to come for anybody from you or me. Mm-hmm. I a mean, twinkle, but the real answers that you out there need are already inside you. Yeah, you just give yourself a chance to listen.
0: Mm-hmm. Like uh, the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, it's always been, you've always had the answer. So I love that. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions for you, my darling. Yes. Number one, I know that you are coming to California. Yay. And you are speaking for a day in Northern California and a day in Southern California. Yeah. So what are the dates and what are you going to be covering?
1: So uh, the first date is Tuesday, November 8th. That's up in wine country. And the second one is down in Orange County. Uh, that's November 10th,
0: it's Thursday. And seven hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's get, airports close to both, by the way. Yeah.
1: I hope I got seven hours in me. You might I have to look me up part way, but we, <laughs> we can do it. Uh it's a lot of what we've talked about today. I mean, there will be aspects that are technical. There'll be some new thoughts on some lighting that's applicable and posing and art. There's a lot on art where you how you find new ideas and where you draw ideas and what's worked for other people and stuff. Remember, we're trying to create images they can't do for themselves on Mm. their phone. So there'll be a lot of that stuff. But then there's a lot of what we've just been talking about too, how you can pull it together for what matters to you and make the work that you want to make, not the work somebody else wants you to make. Mm. There'll be business aspects of it because there are ways that have worked for me over the years, chasing an art market, in other words, why struggle to get customers that somebody else already has or that's not interested in you or what you'd like to do? I would like you to make your living doing what you love to do. So there'll be some business stuff. that's going to be some of everything. It's going to be Good. that renaissance whole process coming together to be what you want it to be.
0: Love it. Okay. Well, I got to call up Dwayne and Orange County and – Get my ticket. So professional photographers, professional photographers of uh, wine country,
1: mm-hmm. in California, their website or professional photographers of Orange County down south uh, on their website will give you all the info on how to connect them.
0: Awesome. So the the second question, and I know this is uh, you have like probably 100 answers to this, but. Is there something that you haven't shared or there's something you'd like people to take away from this conversation, especially?
1: I guess it's where I am right now, is exactly what we've been talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that happens as you get to the maturity stage. Um, you think more inwardly, what matters to me, but, you know. I sat with the two grandgirls on the side of the bed the other day. What I'm trying to do a lot these days is concentrate on the now. You mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. This moment. I mean, I really appreciate a lot being with you this moment. God willing, I got lot more of them, but I may mean, this may be it. Mm-hmm. Really, if it's joy, this That's hopefully value. I- <laughs> yes,
0: and I'll see you. Well, in the now, as much as you can. Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of them is
0: important. I know. It goes so fast, doesn't it? Yeah. But actually, when we live in the now, it seems slow to me. It seems. Well, of course, out here, now is happy hour. You know Oh, right? all right. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Okay. So, okay. everyone, you can check the show notes for that information about the 2022 world tour of Arthur Rainville. <laughs> it might be the beginning. It might be nice. I can yeah. You I can. yeah. And mm-hmm. um, best way to contact you. I, I know you are happy to have conversations with people and answer emails and stuff. So how do they get there?
1: Well, this thing is send me an email. I know that's old fashioned nowadays, but my email is rain, R-A-I-N, photo, F-O-T-O. Mm-hmm. Photo at AOL. Uh, oh. I'm still one of those early adopters that uh, hasn't made the switch out.
0: Yeah, one day I thought I'd check my AOL account and I couldn't even get
1: into it. <laughs> so, I know. So I'm telling me you got to get rid of that. You got to get with it. Who I, cares? Sure I want to get that with
0: it, but it's okay. Who cares? All right. You can yeah. find me if you want. Yeah, he's findable. Thank you, Arthur. You know, I. Adore you beyond words. Everybody's like, what is this, a big love fest? Well, see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. So I have said adieu to the lovely Arthur Rainville. And I want to remind you, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, so I'll say it again, or for the first time, that this episode and more are also going to be published now on my YouTube channel. So the Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas is the YouTube channel. And some will be audio only, but when I can do a video where I don't make too many uh, mistakes and talk over myself, and things, uh, you know, work on being perfectly imperfect, then I will post the videos that don't need to be edited. So look for that. There's about uh, 10 episodes that I went backwards to some earlier ones that were popular. And let's see my quickie summary. This is hard with Arthur. I'm just going to say live in the now, offer something different, and then find ways for people to understand what you're offering and why they would want it. We talked a lot about your why, and um, it's funny, I know I talk about my dad uh, frequently on this show, and it's like he's been gone for 25 years, but our relationship continues. And um, so getting to share about him. Um, I need to bring in my mom because she was and is fabulous too. Um, let's see, talked about emotional branding he talked about slowing down and getting to know yourself and doing research, doing research, learning about artists, photographers, other people who have left a, what he called a tender trail in the world and discover if you have a message still in you and what that is. So I'm just delighted that Arthur joined us again, and I'm looking forward to seeing him and maybe you in California in mid-November. Okay, stay tuned for next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.